Welcome to the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast. This is episode 9. It is September 28th, 2022. Today, Pastor Ben and Aaron acknowledge that yes, we did miss a week after going eight straight weeks of producing a podcast. And we remind you that, well, nobody is perfect. We talk about National Good Neighbor Day and the importance of being a good neighbor to those around us and those who are far away from us. We talk about National Coffee Day, which is going to be on Thursday, September 29th. And this day in history, we talk about Ted Williams' feat of hitting for an average of 400 while playing the game of baseball. We talk about Pastor Cindy's message last Sunday at Wyatt Park Christian Church through Titus chapter 3 and the upcoming teaching series through our capital campaign over the next three weeks. Thanks for joining us once again. And now, friends, let's go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged. So sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2. Verse 23, get out of here, Baldy, get out of here, Baldy, if you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, come and take a listen to your two bald kings. Action! Jackson, here we are, my friends, episode 9 of the Get Out of Here Baldy podcast, and I feel like this is deja vu. <laughs> We've done it enough times now, but you know, if you've been listening week after week and you've come to expect an episode every Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m., that's when it, I usually publish it, then last week you woke up and you were disappointed. Very, very we disappointed. Had, we had some disappointed listeners last week. So um, it's a great opportunity to sort of let you know that, well, so, you know, I'll just I'll be honest. When, when I started the podcast, I was thinking of all of the podcasts that I listen to and, and how consistent they are, you mm-hmm. know? And so I thought that's, that's a big part of having a good podcast is, is having something where people know when they open up their app, that there's something there, it's waiting on them. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of built up some some pride that hey we we had gone eight weeks up until last week every Wednesday putting out an episode and so a uh, little behind the scenes for those who are who are tuning in what did we do last week did we not record an episode I thought we recorded our best episode yet <laughs> <That's> exactly <laughs> I know I agree I I, I felt like it, there was some substance there. Uh, we did an in-person recording, which we hadn't done for a few weeks. We'd been doing online recording. And so this wasn't, uh, this wasn't Aaron's fault and, uh, I'm not going to take blame for it either. I'm just going to say it was the, the program. 
that we well, used. you know, those people that consistently produce podcasts probably had the equipment for it. So right, we we remedied this solution. We did. Yeah, look at this. So I feel so professional today. I have a feeling that uh, this audio is going to be the best it's ever been. And so, if you out there have ever failed at something, if you've ever missed out on being consistent, and maybe you've had to try again, you know, uh, to to do things over, uh, let this be a lesson that uh, you know, going out and. You know, not, not uh, fulfilling expectations once doesn't mean you have to give up, but here we are with, with better audio equipment. And, and um, yeah, having the right tools for the job is always makes yeah, things easier. You bet. Along the lines of not being perfect, do you remember there's a quote in the office? If you've never seen the office, I'm sorry. Watch but it. Pam, who's uh, one of the characters, she's talking to her friend Dwight. And I won't go all the way into the context, but she's trying to convince him to lighten up on something. And he's not going along with it until she uses this, this phrase, this quote, Poe buddies nerfect. And for some reason, like Dwight hears that and it, it changes his heart. You, re you remember that episode? Yes, I do. Poe buddies nerfect. Poe buddies nerfect. <laughs> so, Make t-shirts. There you go. We Somebody's should. probably got them. Yeah, th here. they're actually, yeah, there are t-shirts. And so... Just remember that today. Uh, Poe, but he's nerfect, and uh, you don't have to be either. So, um, I'm try that with my kids because they can be perfectionists. Yeah. See okay. If that hits home with them. Yeah. It's good. That's awesome. And then see if they correct you and say, right. you said it wrong. Or if they just laugh. <laughs> so, today, uh, National Day celebration, there's always something to celebrate, always something to give thanks for and today is national good day or national good neighbor day um, creates an opportunity for neighbors to get to know each other better this day acknowledges and celebrates the importance of a good neighbor um, when you think of neighbors Aaron uh, mm. do you have someone in your past that you would say this person sort of represents when we're talking about a good neighbor. Who, is there a person that stands out to you? I mean, I've been really fortunate over the years, actually. Mm -hmm. We've had lots of good neighbors. One that stands out in my mind from a kid, like when I was a kid, I don't have a lot of memories before, like when we lived in Kansas before going to Maui. Uh, but we had, uh, I believe his name was Dale, and I just remember him making ribs. Mm. That's um, a good neighbor. Yes. <laughs> Bringing over good, wow. you know, Barbecue ribs yep. uh, is a is a great place to start in being a, a good neighbor. So for some reason, when you ask that question, Dale and ribs comes to mind. Um, I love that. But yeah, when we were in Spokane, I we we did get to know. Uh, I mean, my my parents lived next door, which was helpful because they're always good neighbors. Um, Built-in babysitting. That's what I. I appreciated, yeah, nice. uh, but the the gals across the street, we we did get to know everybody, and it's it's actually mm -hmm. really encouraging. They still send us message going. It's just not the same without you guys here. And mm -hmm. so, not only were they good neighbors to us, it yeah. was nice to know that, that they felt that we reciprocated same. that. And for for the girls next door, it was great because I got to be um, kind of a handyman. Uh, just two single gals that lived together, and so yeah. I got to go over and fix you know, plumbing or put together tables for them when they nice. needed it. And, um, yeah, they were just, it, we had a good positive relationship and it was nice to have a, a neighborhood where you felt safe and everybody had your back. So. Yeah. I love that. And the, um, 
the website that talks about the National Day celebrations, its National Day calendar, uh, they talk about, you know, neighbors who watch out for each other, who lend a helping hand, who are there uh, for advice when asked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole, the idea of neighbors offering a cup of sugar when we are short, collect our mail when we are on vacation, watch our homes, and sometimes watch our children and our pets. Um, simply put, being a good neighbor makes good neighbors and develops lifelong friendships. Well, that's a, what I found out was it wasn't hard. Like I would have never thought of myself mm. as, as a good like neighbor. a phenomenal, yeah. like oh, everybody wants to live next door to that guy. Uh, but again, yeah. we had another guy who lived next door to those gals that had back surgery. And so like willing to shovel his driveway or um, mm. take out his trash in the winter. It was yeah. like, that guy was in tears when we departed town just for over that's small right. acts. Yeah. And so I think that's, that. sometimes it's, just to encourage you, it's not yeah. it's not overly difficult to I think have a big impact on people and to, to be that thing. And I was reading that's great. Was that an article? Mm. I thought maybe you shared it with me. Did you share it on this podcast where they found that lady's body in like an apartment in New York after yeah. like six or nine months or yeah, something? Yeah, we talked about that. I don't remember the context, but no. okay, I think that's mm-hmm. where I that stuck. That one came back to my mind because I was like, man. Oh, nobody... I think was that leadership uh, summit. Oh, we maybe to? that's what it was. Uh-huh. Where we yeah we heard this yeah. story about a lady who died in her apartment and like mm-hmm. was nine months before they found her body because the neighbors just didn't know and they would complain. And I guess it was the landlord really that was the the issue. They maybe she had neighbors that was trying to uh, get a hold of things, but. It's not some, yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't be that neighbor. To to be some, yeah, that you didn't notice that your neighbor was was dead and you didn't see her. So, you know, talking about you know uh, being a good neighbor, um, it, it's it's one of those things that it's so much easier to be a good neighbor to to put our efforts in being good neighbors to people other than those who live live near us. You know, because we all sure. live in some proximity to other people, even if you're not in the city, you know, you live out in the country, who are the people that live within a mile radius or two mile radius? Um, And so perhaps this is a good opportunity for us to think about who lives close to us, who don't we know? Like we live in a circle drive kind of situation. And I've had in my mind the thought to just invite our neighbors to come out for like a a potluck of some kind, you know, like just say, hey, I'm going to bring out the grill, make some hamburgers, hot dogs. And just get to know them in that way. And so now that I'm putting that out there in the air, someone asked me in a month, um, hold my feet to the fire, say, Ben, have you gotten together with your circle drive neighbors? And because I want to commit to, to doing that. Because um, that's simple. Yeah, great resource is a book by Rosaria Butterfield mm-hmm. called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. That's good. And she just talks about radical, ordinary hospitality. Mm-hmm. And how far that can go in today's world where yeah. people just don't open up their homes and uh, allow people in and out. And we're, I mean, oftentimes we're afraid of each other, yeah. suspicious of one another. Right. And so just taking that act of radical generosity and trust to hmm. open up your life and home to people, I think can go a long ways because yeah. people just don't do it much anymore. Right. Yep. That's where we can embody Christ and, and be Christ to, to people in a very real way. So be a good neighbor uh, today and always. Um, we here's here's another thing. I was looking at uh, the the days upcoming this week, and since we record on one day, but then you know someone might listen on a Thursday or a Friday. One, I couldn't do a podcast without mentioning this because we are both drinking it now. But it's a big part of my life. But on Thursday of this week, which is September 29th, it's National 
coffee day. Boom. Mm. So when's, how did you get into drinking coffee? What was your biggest influence? Um, I think my parents just mm-hmm. always had a pot going in the morning. Yeah. And so, and again, they were, not, it was nothing fancy. So I just, and, and in high school, there was this uh, group of us that hung out in Virgie Haynes' office. So she was one of the administrators at a school and she had this cool little, like we, we actually went to school in this old estate and she had an office upstairs there and all these couches. And so that whole crew that was, a lot of them were in the performing arts and different things. Like I got, that became kind of a friend group yeah. and they were just really into coffee. And so when you're sitting around the office, it just became natural to, um, you know, drink a cup of coffee. And she had all these things up because we would obviously like put lots of cream and sugar and then leave our cups about how like that could kill you um, <laughs> and all the bacteria that grows in it so she washing a coffee cups was a, an issue for us but that was probably the place where i kind of developed what is oh, t- probably turned yeah. into a minor addiction of yeah. some kind but yeah that's and i think that's kind of 20 years strong now right <laughs> drinking coffee and thank god for you know the the health benefits from coffee without Lots of cream and sugar in there because I'm black know, now. The yeah. antioxidants. I'd be 500 coffee. pounds if I used oh, cream yeah. and sugar. Uh, I agree, 100. percent And so, thankfully, I got I got to enjoy coffee just just drinking it black. And so that's you will probably never catch me drinking coffee by my choice. What was your with anything in it? This kind of same thing okay. with, with my parents. So like my dad, we'd wake up in the morning and he's sitting there doing his devotions, praying, and drinking a cup of coffee. And my mom, they would drink coffee together, then sit on the porch. And uh, got into the military, and you know they made—I don't know—it was like a, like Black a unnamed, sugar. like uh-huh. unlabeled Folgers can yeah. with God knows where those grounds came from, you know. Um, but I remember working kind of late hours when I was deployed stateside with my reserve unit, and we would you know drink coffee because it was supposed to keep you awake, and it the caffeine in the coffee uh, it doesn't really affect me nowadays. What so. is the best cup of coffee you've ever had? The best cup of coffee was when I was in um, out in western Kansas. I was going to preach at a small church. I was doing pulpit supply, and I Hill Hill City, Kansas. Okay, uh, there is a couple out there who they'd been missionaries to uh, close to Guatemala, somewhere in, in in South America, and they had gone on a mission trip and come back with with beans from the country that that they were again. It wasn't Guatemala. It was, anyways. It was really, it opened my eyes because I think that was the first time that I ever had coffee that was like straight up from a country, brought back, not processed, you know, and they they roasted it uh, or maybe it was roasted over there, but they they ground it freshly. And that was my first cup of coffee that was like, this is good. Coffee can be so much better than just, you know, Maxwell House or Folgers, you know. uh, Maxwell House is the worst. (laughs) It's the, it just, the, like it's on just the lower end coffee, chemical so that's like, taste. like a step, yeah. step down. So do you have a, a memory of sort of your, your, your best coffee? Well, I think I had shared nice. on the podcast when we went out to Starlight Canyon in Montana, okay. my buddy Jeremiah was like, he was, he was going down like a deep rabbit hole with coffee um, <laughs> where he was like roasting his own beans and he yes. had, he had turned that popcorn maker into like a makeshift roaster, nice. fresh roasted coffee <laughs> right there right on the there campsite with like quality <laughs> beans right there at the campsite. And he's like, this one's got blueberry notes and never have I tasted coffee where I was like, 
that does have blueberry does. in it, and that's phenomenal. That's great. Um, and so that is still, I, that is seared into my brain as the best cup of coffee I've ever had. Oh, my. Um, and then on uh, when we lived in Hawaii, there were a couple of times I got like 100% real yes. Kona coffee, yes. which is... I mean, Fantastic. you might as well cut out your you know, kidney and hand it to someone to to buy that cup of coffee, but <laughs> it tastes really good. Uh, that heard. volcanic ash is prime grown that's material. So That's crazy. Yeah, so that's uh, enjoy, celebrate if you're a coffee drinker, and um, give thanks to God for the simple things in life, that um, the fruits of the earth, that Amen. someone at some point decide. Oh, I like this in 1670. Uh, a guy named Baba Boudin smuggled coffee seeds out of the Middle East by strapping seven seeds onto his chest. The first plants grown from these stowed away seeds were planted in uh, Misor. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, they say, oh, kind of close to, to Yemen, I guess. Okay. And so coffee later spread to Italy, the rest of Europe, Indonesia, and the Americans because of this guy, Baba Boudin, who Thank you, sir. smuggled seeds. He's like responsible for the French Chinese. Revolution. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of coffee. Because of coffee. Yeah. It woke people up and gave yeah. them the energy to do the revolution. There was all too much beer and wine. And then they realized <laughs> as they were drinking coffee and sobering up, hey, we don't have to live with this anymore. Right. Off with our head! <laughs> Thanks, coffee. Yeah, thanks, coffee. Thanks, Baba. <laughs> uh, National Day calendar uh, on this day in history. I'm sorry if you're not a sports fan, but uh, thinking about Ted Williams in 1941 becomes the last player to hit for an average of 400 over the course of a season. And while there have been players that have hit for 400, there are there's criteria for number of at-bats and games played that I couldn't sure. tell you what it is. But uh, since Ted Williams... you got to um, do it for more than three games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. How many <laughs> didn't count. That, was, hit, that might know, be 750 for you know, a game or two or something. But over the course of many games, he hit average to 400, uh, which, which is like the bar that hitters like, are chasing. You know? Right. And, um, but the, here's the other thing about Ted Williams that I didn't know was that he missed out on five, uh, five playing seasons because he was in the military yeah. and what, so he served in world war two. Mm -hmm. Where is that at? Where did I see that? Mm, did I put that on the back here? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah last yeah, paragraph. Last paragraph. Yeah. So Williams was a Marine Corps pilot during world war two and the Korean War, and as a result, missed nearly five Major League Baseball seasons. And in the midst of that, you know, he ends up, you know, before he went off to World War II, hit that uh, average of 400. So, well, I love the story that he could have just sat on the bench, mm, but he didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he ended up raising his average that day because he got, what, six out of eight or something. It's just crazy, man. He earned it. That's crazy. And and here's the other thing. We were talking about this before the podcast about how, you know, that's the, the benchmark for an excellent hitter to hit 400 on a season. But when you think about percentages and success, there's not many other things in life where we would say if you, if you do something, you know, 40% of the time, you're right. successful 40% of the time that you're doing well. Um, and so it just goes to show you, I'd say, the skill level of hitting a baseball that's coming mm -hmm. at you 80, 90 miles an hour with 
with a skinny wooden bat or whatever. Do uh, hard things. Do hard things. It's okay, folks. Yeah. Like, give it a shot. Yeah. And what I love now is I like, like 400, it's like they've kind of realized that, well, you know, if actually if you bat 250, but there's all these other factors that might end up making you responsible for more runs scored, which is the ultimate goal of the yep. game. Right. Um, that maybe even 25% of the time could be better based on some of these other Situational, things. Situational. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. you know, that's, it's just, I like baseball because it's a complicated sport. Sure. Advanced metrics have given us a window into it. And it's a reminder mm-hmm. to us that it's, it's, you should not judge your worth or value based on a, you know, yeah. singular number sometimes. Um, cause either you're probably over inflating your ego or yeah. you're devaluing yourself in a way that you shouldn't. Those are probably, you're doing one of those two things most likely. And that's, I don't know, that's a lesson I've learned from advanced metrics in baseball. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> For yeah. what that's worth. <laughs> we can, we, we can learn so much just from everyday things and stories. And, um, Dude, we got to come up with some cool nicknames, though. The Splendid Splinter yeah. and The Thumper. So I'm, I, don't know. I would like to know gonna, the history of that. Um, we got to come up with nicknames for one another. <laughs> and <laughs> I usually do that. I, I usually like make nicknames for people in my life. So, yes, something okay. needs to so, – and usually it just kind of arises naturally. And so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that we'll out. see how it comes. Yeah, yeah. But. Yep. Um, so if you are batting 400 or less than that in life, um, again, Poe Buddy's Nerfect, right? Poe Buddy's Nerfect. So focus on today. Let, let tomorrow or yesterday go. And don't think about tomorrow. Just think about your, your visit to the plate today. <laughs> That's right. So, um, so Cindy, last Sunday, uh, finished out Titus. Three. And we talked about this in last week's podcast that only Jesus listened to. And right. I hope Jesus enjoyed our podcast. That's for, for the, the audience, audience of one. And she did a really good job. I, you know, she, she kind of went back into Paul, uh, his history of when he was Saul and when he persecuted the church and kind of gave some, some of that mm-hmm. sort of background to Paul's life and, um, and before she went into to reading Titus three, and one of the things that she mentioned was that really Titus three just was so like just simple and practical when when you read it. You know, there of course of course you could d- dive into the language and you can you know really put a lot of things in there, but uh, you know she really f- found f- um, just saw fit to to really just kind of read the text and just to make some 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 brief sort of highlights to you know, in, encourage the people uh, in, in what Paul wrote to Titus. Um, so it, what stood out to you from Cindy's message? So uh, I did like, you know, based on verse three, you know, where Paul really encourages them not to forget that they were once, you know, sinners in need of God's saving grace uh, and that they, they were a part of a broken and fallen world in the kingdom of darkness. Gotcha. Um, I like that she went back and looked at, at Paul's life to go, that's something that he seems to have never forgotten. Gotcha. Um, and was a great motivator to him and made him, I think, really gracious towards, uh, as he ministered to in, in a pagan world. Um, he had to remember that he was a persecutor of the church and not like, again, the, the very savior that he was spending his life serving, he actually actively persecuted. 
um, and was willing to, to kill those who were followers of Jesus. And so I thought that was, uh, I think something that stood out was just highlighting that when he, when he said those words, yeah. he wasn't just talking about them. <laughs> he was really speaking going that, like from his own experience of yeah. going, you need to, his own context. need to not forget that. Mm. And that's, that, that's easy to, to miss. Um, the, the words that Paul shares and then just in light of his own experience yeah. and his own journey and, and testimony. Um, so what would you emphasize, uh, from Titus three? And I'm going to open that up on my phone here. No, yeah, I... please. I, so that, that piece of it, I think is, um, really hammering our tendency as Christians, as we, especially when we're living like Christian culture was very, dark and bent towards um, things that aren't pleasing to God. Um, As the longer we walk with Jesus, as culture, Mm. you know, drifts that way in our minds, either more or less, uh, as we feel like it's getting darker and we're being transformed by the spirit. I think one of the tricks that the enemy will play on us is that forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. So he will actually use our own sanctification to make us haughty to make us self-righteous okay. and to become antagonistic towards a lost and dying world. Yeah. And I think that's what Paul's mm-hmm. trying to address with some of the, the church here is that they, they need to remember. Yeah. Um, Cause again, there's a temptation to rebel against authorities or whatever, because, sure. Hey, they're, you know, they're not promoting the, the right things. Right. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, as such, we get to be rule breakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to, maybe not treat people with gentleness um, because they're doing heinous and awful, immoral things. Yeah. And so that's, that's always the temptation of the church. And it's a sign we've lost sight of our sinfulness and our, the, the fact that we're just sinners saved by grace who've been transformed by the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, so, and talk about a, a day and age where I feel like a lot of church people feel like the days are growing darker. Yeah. Um, and I'm watching yeah. a church grow more and more antagonistic towards antagonistic, the world. Okay. And we are, yeah. rather than be gentle towards everyone yeah. and, and, and pursue leaders who yeah. are gentle towards everyone, right. we're actually gravitating towards people who are aggressive yeah. um, and rude and mean, yeah. uh, who stand for the things that we stand maybe sure. or, or value certain biblical values. Absolutely. Uh, and I think... I think Paul's words wow. are would it's very just timely. go yeah go right after that because mm-hmm. that's just it's it's not a new temptation yeah. for the church it's it's what we're facing on a daily basis and of course we can go immediately to to politics but you know we can we can blame everything on politicians um, take a pause here for this moment <laughs> got to recess about to happen it's a good sound it's a good sound yeah. Lord, be with the, <laughs> be with the grand, teachers. That's patience, right. <laughs> perseverance today. Yeah. No, but you know, so so yeah, I, I appreciate you you pointing that out um, because that is our go-to sometimes when 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 people push at us, we want to push back, or when there's someone who's antagonizing us, we sort of want to push back with equal force. Uh, or words, you know, and, and so to, to live in a way where we don't have to respond in kind, um, where we can instead pray for our enemies and mm-hmm. bless those who curse us. And that's, that's hard. That's easier said than done. I, I absolutely. That, and I think for some people who are rightly pursuing 
uh, you know, areas for social justice and things of that nature. It yeah. feels weak. Yeah, sure. Um, like we don't really care. Yeah. And it's how we pursue those things, I think, deeply matters. And I think that's one of the most challenging things about the New Testament to me is Paul will hmm. slowly over time allow things to be transformed, whether it be in Peter's slave rebellion, saying you cannot be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it, I, I know he believes that they're made in the image of God, have full rights, d doesn't think that opp mm. that oppressive system is right. Sure. But he's going, the gospel over time mm. will be able to transform those things and being patient to allow the spirit of God to do that work versus going and trying to take it on our own terms. Mm. And in a way, shooting ourselves in the foot yeah. and probably becoming op oppressive in some way ourselves. Sure. It's just, it's hard. Yeah, it and is. it takes trust and yep. faith that God's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, uncontrolling love of God. And I'm trying to think who, oh gosh, I forget the name. Thomas Ord, I think, is okay. the name of the author who, taught, who wrote a book called The Uncontrolling mm. Love of God. And, you know, I, I want to, what I love about living in the United States and the, having the freedoms that we have is that it gives us an opportunity to trust in that uncontrolling love of God where, we can live in a country in a pluralistic society mm -hmm. and trust that when people come to Christ, it's, it's not because they've been forced to, or, um, you know, they haven't had to face the sword, you know, by Christians who, you know, convert or die kind of thing, like, like in the crusades. Um, but to know that when people do make that decision, it's, it's out of, you know, that, that drawing that, that they feel the, the nudge, you know, and, um, and if anyone's gonna, <laughs> you know, uh, compel them to, to give their lives to Christ, it's going to be Christ himself, you know, out of his goodness and, and kindness and, um, beauty, um, you know, all of those things that are just so, when someone comes into contact with, with the Christ that we believe in, um, I believe Jesus does it better than any one of us, you know, yeah. and, and it's, you know, it's, it's on terms that are not um, in line with how the world wants us to make decisions. Well, and, the, and that's know. the only way to ensure someone's actually like truly a follower of Jesus. Cause yeah. when you make it about <clears throat> legislating or again, drawing out a sword to, yeah. that's, those aren't true conversions. Right. And like what we, again, the, the end result of that might be a more, from your, from whoever's perspective, a more moral society or whatever it might be, yeah. but it's not God's transforming hearts. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're after. Yeah. And so we can't shortchange ourselves uh, with methodology that's going to achieve results that really aren't the end goal. Right. That's good. But I love it. Titus three. It's good Titus stuff. Titus three. Yep. So we're finishing that up and then going into a capital campaign series where, uh, you know, this just came when we were at the leadership uh, summit mm -hmm. uh, in August, uh, just these, and I don't preach a lot of sermons or sermon series that as much as you would expect, because I had pastors growing up that did a lot of like the alliteration, like the three point sure. alliterations or, you know, one sermon. So, uh, so this is sort of new for me, but it just sort of kind of fell in my lap and I, and I jotted this down on, on a piece of paper, um, that this capital campaign, I, I wanted to, to focus on three things and it was, uh, first people second place and third purpose. And so I've sort of had to figure out what, it, what was I going to use for the scripture for sure. to talk about the church as people and the, the low hanging fruit that just came to me was sort of the Hebrews 12, uh, 
therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. But I also want to point to, to Hebrews 11 because it's connected to that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the hall of faith mm-hmm. and thinking about um, all of the, the, the named ones, the, the heroes, the, the celebrities of Scripture. Um, but last year I, I preached a message uh, around this time that, that dealt with Hebrews uh, 11 and 12, and I, and I was really impressed by the ending of Hebrews 11 where Paul talks about the, the others, about mm. the unnamed sure. saints, you know, who faced obstacles and they didn't see the miracles and the salvation in the way that we would think, you know, all of the others that came before that, you know, they were delivered through all of these miraculous means, that their salvation was living out their life, taking their last breath, and then receiving that reward in full, right. you know, in the presence of God, you know, and, and so, um, so I really want to talk about us as church, as, as people who are following in that line of that mm-hmm. great cloud of witnesses of people who saw God do miraculous things in their day, but then also, um, in receiving their reward after finishing that race that they were called to, to run. So I don't know when, when you think of, um, scriptures that could go along with the church's people. Obviously we could bring up Paul and his sure. wording of the, ch- the church as the body of Christ, but are there any other kind of ones that stick out to you or any, any thoughts? No, I mean, uh, one, one of the new images that I've encountered maybe more than I've really picked up on over the years uh, in, in the, probably the fast, last past five years or so is that idea of a living temple. Mm-hmm. So I love yeah. the the contrast in the beginning parts of Acts between the the temple that is there, Herod's temple, yeah. and then the the church as a people who are actually doing what mm-hmm. God said should function in the, in the, in the temple. And both Peter and Paul uh, will talk about it as living stones, where he's you know building a group of people together into the house of God. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, that, that I mean, you, again, you're, I'm sure you're going to tie a lot of these I've things got, together. I've got a down lot the road of different here. scriptures, yeah. But what of, I like what uh, you're uh, drawing out here, and I look forward to more of this on Sunday, is not just the people that are currently present, yeah. but those yeah. who came before us. Because I think, mm. um, you know, I have not always been a part of denominations where that, that kind of heritage is important. Sure. Um, yeah. A little bit, and, and some of the ones I've been a part of, but then a lot, I've been a part of a lot of non-denominational groups where they don't really necessarily have one. Think about it, yeah. uh, and so I think there is value there, mm. and something that the Bible would challenge us on is I think we can look back and appreciate some of those things a little bit more. Um, mm. And so I, I like what you're you're doing there, and appreciating that like what we do in the present is carrying not only the testimony of Jesus, but yeah. also a legacy left behind by faithful followers for a number of Absolutely, years. Absolutely. Yeah. So thinking about that is important. That's good. Yeah. What I've been talking about, we've had some informational meetings with members of the church for the capital campaign coming up and yes, a capital campaign centers on building improvements. You know, I mean, that's just, you can't get around that. And so the reason why I'm starting first with the church's people is because I don't think we can ever say enough that the church is not a building. You know? sure. And one of the things I'll mention in, in the in the message is the Christians around the world who don't have a dedicated building, or if they do, it's nothing like what we experience here in, in the Western Hemisphere, here in America in particular. You know, and how Christians around the world who don't have like a dedicated church building, or even if they do, it's not beautiful and it's not you know in, in comfortable like mm-hmm. ours. 
that it's in those places where the churches are growing faster, <laughs> you know, where, where things are happening that we're, we're not seeing as much here um, in our country. Yeah, and I think there's almost been, uh, I, I get why that idea of the church is not a building got emphasized, if the, again, the boomer and the rise of the mega church and that yep. whole thing. Right. But it's interesting, as our, uh, the pendulum swung now. Yep. Um, sure. And we've said that so much, and, and that's coupled with the rise of the internet at the same time in the yeah. digital age. Right. Now that we've, we've actually lost the importance of actually having a place where we can all physically sure. be present together, which right. I, I, I wrestle with this. I, I, it almost there, seems like the Bible demands a it good in a tension way. there. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely think if you have the choice between gathering digitally and gathering in the flesh, we, sh- we should. 100% to, to meet together. Yep. And I think the incarnation is probably yeah. the thing that informs me most on that. Is God sure. actually did? He came and, right. and he could have just done a spirit thing, Absolutely. but he didn't. He he was flesh first. Right. Um, and so I, I think you know as we start to look at that, the the people and place thing of, yeah. of this are not they're not mutually exclusive. Right. Um, you got to have a place where I can see you and touch you and Absolutely. be present with you. And we found this out during COVID. Like, sure. Zoom meetings, yeah. you can only do so many of those before they, like, it's they get not old the same. pretty quick. It's not yeah. the same. Right. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember, yes, we're yeah. like, in the, and we are the temple as a people, but sure. it's also, that involves us getting together in the same place. And sure. so the building's not so, the right, church, right. but it does allow the church to it's it's a tool to yeah. happen. Yep, it does. So. Yeah, and so that's that, that's part of you know why I want to I'll lean into that on kind of the second week is that it's gonna be great. you know the, the the church is that is one of the tools that we use to to meet and gather and um you know I think what I'm going to emphasize this Sunday is really the um, the mission. Um, that we have to to go and make disciples, we have more opportunities as Christians to to go and make disciples in places that are not this one one place. Sure, you know, and so kind of talk about those opportunities before us as as Christians. And and I'm going to mention the the uh, Great Commission, you know, and and sort of the, the verbiage there of as as you're going, make disciples as as you're going, and then you know as you make those disciples. Um, that hopefully they can find their way to to the places that we're meeting, sure. um, you know, and and be a be a, a home, a spiritual home of sorts for them. So, yeah, it's I'm hoping this will this will just really um, help people to uh, give thanks, especially this Sunday, to give thanks for the people that have been the church that have been Christ to them in the past, and then hopefully it'll inspire them to to be that person for someone else, Amen. you know. So, well, friends, uh, that's going to wrap it up for, for this, um, episode, episode nine. Um, we're thankful for those who listen and for those who were disappointed last week that we didn't have an episode. That's, uh, here you go. This is our treat to you with, with freshened, uh, audio with, with new equipment. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if there's anything else. Do we have any announcements we need to, to let folks know about? I mean, we have the Capital Campaign Series coming up. Uh, just be on the lookout for more information around the church of how you can uh, learn more about that. Uh, there's going to be a leadership uh, uh, dinner on October 4th, uh, where if you'd like to be a part of that and learn more about what's happening here at Wyatt Park Christian Church, you can do that. 
uh, Wednesday night D6. That's that's going really well. So if you are an adult, if you're a high school student, college student, if you're um, yeah kids, we have classes for all ages, and uh, we'd love to <clears throat> be able to um, learn more about Christ with you. Six thirty on Wednesday nights here at the church. So, but this is uh, this is us signing off. Aaron, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for your your uh, your your brain activity. Thanks for well, thanks for listening to me ramble on things. <laughs> so, uh, grace and peace out to you, friends, and beware of the bears, folks. Have a good one. <laughs>